we have two sons, and uh, I know the youngest one uh, shared that, you know, he was wanted even to get eye surgery because he was tired of people laughing at him about his eyes. But, uh, you know, we just persevered. I think the big thing is that we're always looked upon as the, what's the term, the perpetual foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know that I think, I think every Asian person, Pacific Islander, that is always asked, where are you from? Your English is so good that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're wounded by that. I don't think people understand the hurt that we experience when, whenever we're asked that. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Last week's deadly attacks in Atlanta were a galvanizing moment for Asian Americans across the U.S. And the community here in St. Louis is no different. Asian Americans here are speaking out about a rise in hate and targeted violence. And two members of the community are here today to share their concerns and also their hopes for this moment. Ed Shu is a St. Louis native, a retired human resources professional, and also the author of the historical novel Chinese Brothers, American Sons. He's also a former Democratic candidate for the Missouri House. Ed Shu, welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And we're also joined today by Shane Propisal. He's the chief operating officer of STJ Group Holdings. That runs businesses including restaurants The King and I and Chow Bon, and also Global Foods Market, J International, and more. He's also a board member of the Asian American Chamber of Commerce. So, Shane, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. So, Shane, there have been a mind-numbing tally of mass shootings in the U.S. in recent years. Why did the one in Atlanta on March 16th hit so hard for you? You know, I think um, we as a community, you know, for the past couple years have really seen an uptick in verbal assaults um, that leads to physical assaults from some of the highest elected officials in the country. And we've been kind of, you know, dealing with this silently as a community, trying to keep our heads down, trying to just go about our day. Uh, But I think the culmination of something like a mass shooting in Atlanta that happened, um, I think finally just hit all of us, whether, you know, we were just trying to, um, you know, go about our days and, and, you know, uh, work at our businesses that we're not immune to this type of violence. And and I I think that um, it just really brought to a head the type of um, xenophobia and racism that our community has been dealing with for for quite some time now. Hmm. Ed, I'm I'm curious to hear about you. Had you also noticed that rise in in xenophobia and anti-Asian American racism? Well, yes. I I know uh, even recently um, there was a state representative from Branson who who used the term uh, Chinese virus. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we certainly think that's kind of a dog whistle for um, racism and, and, and things we, we shouldn't be a part of. What, what, I, what I really think uh, we ought to do also with the, the Asian hate uh, is that's maybe part of a larger focus that we should uh, be talking about is against uh, hatred, uh, speaking up against all hatred and, and social injustice. But, but yes, uh, we, we certainly in St. Louis feel uh, the effects of what's happening in land and all and all through the the country. Uh, I know I have a lot of friends on the east and west coast, and uh, people there are even afraid to go out. And uh, mm-hmm. they've even formed, I guess, groups to uh, protect, especially the elderly. 
Hmm. I know statistics show that attacks are up. Um, it's interesting. Overall hate crimes decreased by 7% in 16 major U.S. cities in 2020. At the same time, anti-Asian hate crime reports increased 149%. And they did begin to spike in March and April when COVID-19 began its spread. Shane, when you're talking about um, the rhetoric do you tie that to people attempting to make this the Chinese flu and, and these kind of comments that Ed mentioned just now coming from one of our own state representatives? Definitely. You know, and, and uh, Sarah, even with those figures, I know that, um, you know, it's been documented that uh, attacks and and instances of xenophobia have increased. But I would even argue that those are probably underreported, mm-hmm. um, whether, you know, whether the, sometimes the victims don't speak English or they don't uh, feel comfortable going to the authorities. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm almost positive that those those figures are probably worse than what is being reported. Um, but but to your point, you know, back when the um, pandemic started, I, you know, obviously with with the news coverage, um, I think there was a responsible way to talk about you know the origins of of the virus and and best best public health practices. But I think a, a segment of our elected leadership. Um, unfortunately, starting at the very top, decided to, to make this uh, a racially based uh, campaign to blame it on one group of people. Um, and that's had far reaching consequences for Asian Americans all around the country. Mm-hmm. Shane, I think you make a good point about um, the numbers of, of what's truly happening on the ground are likely higher, that this is being underreported. And I know some community members um, have met now with St. Louis County Police Chief Mary Barton to raise awareness about these attacks. Do you think law enforcement has an understanding that these kind of things aren't just happening in isolation, that this is, is part of a scary trend? Shane, what's, what's your sense of that? No, I think it's it's definitely systemic, and you know, hopefully, it doesn't rise to the level of a physical attack. Um, whether it's it's uh, you know, we've seen these um, uh, physical attacks in cities like New York and Atlanta uh, to something as horrendous as a mass shooting in Atlanta. But even what I would say, kind of the the soft racism, the the looks, the comments, um, things that you know, most folks are just saying, oh, you know what, they're just ignorant, they're uninformed, and go about the day, it it definitely plays into the larger climate of folks feel empowered to kind of, um, you know, say these comments because they think it's, it's no big deal. But, you know, all these things lead together to culminate into someone, um, you know, partaking in an act of violence against a a person. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a bit about both of your experiences, particularly as they relate to growing up in St. Louis. Um, This can be or can feel like sometimes such a a black and white city and that that's the main division here. And then for the Asian American community, that's that exists a bit outside that. Ed, I know your mother was born um, in St. Louis's Hop Alley. This was the city's old Chinatown. It's where Bush Stadium is today. Um, What did she tell you about her experience growing up? Up in, in St. Louis all those years ago? Well, you know, first I, I must say that uh, my dad was always working, so I spent more time with my mother. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I know early on she was, she told us that, you know, this, this is the white man's world. Um, and then we should also just try to fit in when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I know, for example, in high school, I was, I was the only Asian in my high school. And you know, at times that was a bit lonely, but, uh, you know, I had sports to carry me through. But, uh, you know, I, I can say some things that happened. For example, uh, we have two sons, and uh, I know the youngest one uh, shared that, you know, he was wanted even to get eye surgery because he was tired of people 
laughing at him about his eyes. So, oh. so, so you know, um, those things, you know, we experienced. Um, but, uh, you know, we just persevered. I think the big thing is that we're always looked upon as the, what's the term, the perpetual foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I know that I think, I think every Asian person, Pacific Islander that is always asked, where are you from? Your English is so good that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're wounded by that. I don't think people understand the hurt that we experience when, whenever we're asked that. Yeah. And, and Ed, I mean, you grew up here. Your mother also grew up here. Is that a question that, that you found yourself asked here in St. Louis? <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Um, that, that, you know, if I had a nickel for, for that question, um, uh, I've even been asked that at, at my church a couple times. So, um, yeah, it, it's constantly there. Um, uh, that's got to be such a frustrating experience. Shane, I, I know your parents are from Thailand, but you also grew up here. Have you had that, that same experience? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. You know, my parents are immigrants, um, and me and my siblings are, are first-generation Americans. And I can definitely speak to the experiences that I was talking about, kind of the, you know, sometimes it wasn't even out of malice, just mostly out of ignorance. You know, um, growing up in, in West County in the late 80s, early 90s, I was oftentimes probably one of the few Asian Americans in my class. But mm-hmm. um, I am heartened, uh, you know, not just with the Asian community growing here in St. Louis, but also making ourselves more visible and more outspoken about the issues that are both important to us and affect us from a day-to-day basis. Um, and I just feel very privileged that, you know, um, you know, our, my parents who are immigrants have equipped me and my siblings to speak for ourselves and speak on behalf of other Asians who perhaps, you know, don't feel comfortable or don't have the mastery of the language or just don't have um, avenues to, to bring up our issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my observation was when I graduated high school, I was probably, you know, probably one of a couple dozen Asian Americans. Um, and I went to my little cousin's graduation, high school graduation, a, a year or two ago. And it, it was the mo- one of the most diverse graduating classes I've seen, both with um, you know African Americans, Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think things are slowly changing. Um, but you know, even with kind of the demographic changes, we're still, to Ed's point, still very othered, um, just seeing how our, our community seems to be very um, vulnerable Mm-hmm. Ed, you wrote a recent op-ed for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I thought this was a really powerful piece of writing. Um, just one line from it that really stuck out. You wrote, sweeping generalizations of Asian Americans as the privileged and successful spit in the face of the inequalities that many Asian Americans face daily. Uh, can you unpack that a little bit for us? You had some just interesting examples there in your op-ed about what you were talking about. Well, um, I, I guess the... Um what I what I think is that our world kind of minimizes us, and and we kind of uh, minimize ourselves. Um, um, you know, I I've often been been asked, uh, don't you think you've been helped by being Chinese? And because I guess they're thinking that uh, you know the stereotype is um, uh, good education, family background, and, and people look at that and they'll want to hire you, for example, but. But um, I, I know that uh, growing up in St. Louis, uh, being spit at a couple of times, mm-hmm. you know, during the Vietnam War and denied employment and housing and uh, stopped 
seven times for traffic violations, never been given a warning. Hmm. Um, so um, they just go straight to the ticket, right? So um, yeah, yeah. But the stereotype is the yeah that that uh, we're successful uh, and, and people don't understand that we're not monolith- monolithic group of people. There are you know East Asian, South Asian, Southeast Asian. Uh, not everybody is a uh, a doctor, an engineer, and I think I read a statistic one time that uh, maybe not now after the pandemic, unfortunately, but one you know there are as many Asian servers as there are doctors. You know there are a lot of people who who aren't doing well, and uh, um, so mm-hmm. we need to do a better job. Do you get mad when you hear then people talk about Asians as the quote unquote model minority that that you guys are doing it right? So why can't everybody just do what you've done? Well, that's that's really a myth because I, I think I think that's used as a wedge to to tell other minorities, you know, if if Asians can do it, uh, you can do it. Um, so I, I really I, I really don't like that term at all, and that that definitely is a myth. Mm-hmm. Shane, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Is that something that you've you've had to think about and, and grapple with? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there is this perception um, of you know. I think a lot of it is kind of is, is an economic insecurity that we're, you know, Asian Americans are coming in and, and taking positions from other groups of people. Um, but what I have been heartened about, and I, I think I've, it's always existed, uh, but it's really been highlighted, I, I believe, since um, uh, the George Floyd murder last summer is that, you know, Asian Americans can't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that is sometimes the it's it's easy to just to be about your own um, community where you can speak the language, but all of our struggles are intertwined with other uh, people of color around the country, and that our struggles, you know, are are not they're unique, but they're not um, you know they're not also uh, other groups have have had to encounter this as well. So I believe the activism and the solidarity that uh, you know other groups have shown us and we've shown them um, has been really heartening, and I think it hopefully will propel. Um, you know, the conversation forward. Um, ever since Atlanta happened, you've seen folks who, you know, may have been sitting on the sidelines uh, prior felt the need to speak up and speak out. And uh, I hope that trend continues. Ed, do you feel that as well, that, that this isn't something where um, you're saying the racism against Asians is more or worse than, than against, uh, say, black people or other minorities? It's a thing of all standing together, saying we're all victims of these same forces here. Oh, 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 definitely. I, I, I'm hoping that uh, maybe uh, that the politicians are getting involved in the media. Um, that uh, you know, perhaps this is the watershed in American history, so that uh, you know we can all become a little more uh, united. Uh, and like I said, I think earlier about uh, fighting social injustice. So uh, again, we should be speaking up for all all hatred. And uh, so I'm hoping, hoping this will continue. Uh, I know, for example, you know, vigil Saturday night, and there's a public forum, I think, tonight. So uh, people are getting interested, and and, uh, I hope it continues. We're talking today to Ed Shu. He's a St. Louis native. He's a retired human resources professional. He's also the author of the novel Chinese Brothers, American Sons. We're also joined by Shane Propisal. He's the chief operating officer of STJ Group Holdings. Uh, that owns many of your favorite restaurants. That includes one of my favorites, Chow Bon, as well as Jay International and, and a number of other groceries and, and markets. Um, and Ed, you mentioned a vigil that, that you had attended there. Um, I understand this vigil here in the St. Louis area got a really 
really good turnout. What was that like being at that? Well, yes, that was that was. Um, I wasn't sure of how many people were going to be there, <laughs> and and I was pleased to to, to see uh, a big turnout of Asian Americans, uh, Pacific Islanders, and and and, uh, and and white white people, and I, I was glad to see maybe a dozen or so of my friends that hmm. that I was able to get to to come and. Um, uh, the speakers, the speakers there, uh, were all very inspiring, and and again, it's the the, the, the vigil was to well, feel the sadness and the heartache for the those eight people who were killed, but also to show that we must you know continue to work together, and uh, speak out, and document, and um, it was very good. There people from the FBI were there, the prosecuting attorney's office, hmm. someone from Sam Page's office was there. Uh, so I, I think uh, this is the start. We need to, good intentions are a start. We need to continue. Shane, it sounds like the powers that be are taking this seriously. Is that your sense of things too, as, as somebody who's active with the business community? I think so. You know, um, it, it was, you know, kind of unfortunate timing that, um, the Asian American Chamber of Commerce, we had been working on a statement, um, well before the incident in Atlanta, and it just happened to be released, um, on the, the same week of the shooting. And oh. so I, I think, you know, you know, we're glad that we got the statement out there. Um, and to Ed's point, I think uh, folks, you know, with the the power and opportunity to actually change things are taking note. You know, you saw the president, the vice president fly down to Atlanta um, to meet with, uh, you know, local Asian leaders there and the victims, families. So I think that, um, you know, it is a true inflection point, and it's up to not just Asian Americans, but Americans of all backgrounds to, to make sure that we tackle the systemic issues that caused this in the first place. And Shane, I want to mention something that's also happening here on the ground in St. Louis. You launched an initiative at Chauban. Um, it's called Dining Out to Stop AAPI Hate. And, and first, for listeners who don't know that acronym, what is AAPI? Um, it's uh, the term for Asian American and Pacific Islanders, so kind of the, the umbrella term for um, people from Asia and the Pacific Rim. Okay. So this dining out to stop AAPI hate, um, how, how is this going to work? So um, through uh, the month of April, uh, every Tuesday, all uh, sales, 10% uh, um, of sales will go to support two organizations. Um, we picked one with a national focus um, called hashtag stop AAPI hate. Uh, that organization is working on reporting um, Asian hate crimes across the country and giving the authorities this information so that they can hopefully act on it. Um, and the other organization is a little bit more uh, focused, focused on the city of Atlanta. Uh, it's an organization called Asian Americans Advancing Justice, and they are a legal organization working on um, legislation and things that we can do, do through the criminal justice system to help address violence against Asian Americans. Okay. So, Shane, in addition to, to dining out on a Tuesday and, and participating in this initiative, in our final 30 seconds here, what's the number one thing people can do if they themselves are not part of this community but want to be a good ally right now? Um, I would just say, you know, uh, check in on, on your friends and colleagues. Um, for, I know for me this week, it's, you know, everyone's kind of had to keep uh, a brave face, but, you know, a uh, whole lot of our uh, community members are, are, are grieving and are, are trying to process this through different ways. But also, you know, if you have access and privilege, please contact your uh, elected officials and say, this is an issue that's important to me. Um, you know, this is happening to my fellow citizens, and I'd like to see some concrete steps uh, being taken to address it. Shane Propisal, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you, Sarah. And Ed Shu, thank you. Thank you very much. And Chow Bond's program runs every Tuesday through April 27th. Um, we encourage you to participate in that. Also, check out the hashtag StopAAPIHate. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.